Mecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. Today we are studying Parsha Shmuel. Throughout Sefer Shmuel, we are going to be looking at the different relationships that appear throughout the Sefer. And through analyzing these relationships between individuals and between groups, we are going to see how these relationships shape the events that happen over the course of the Sefer. In Parsha Shemot, we begin with a very fascinating relationship, not between two people, but between three. And that is the relationship between Moshe, his birth mother, and his adoptive mother. The story begins with the birth of Moshe in Shemot Parak Bet, the second chapter of Sefer Shemot. The, a man goes from the house of Levi and takes the daughter of Levi. The woman becomes pregnant and give, gives birth to a son. She sees that he is good. And she hides him for three months. Why does she have to hide him for three months? Because if we remember, we are amidst the um, decree from Paro, the decree that all Jewish baby boys should be cast into the Nile River. After three months, she is unable to hide him any longer. She builds for him a small boat. She waterproofs it with different materials. She puts the baby within it. She puts it in the reeds that are at the edge of the Nile River. His sister stands at the banks of the river to watch and see what will happen to him. None other than the daughter of Paro goes down to bathe on the banks of the river. Her maidservants are walking on the edges of the river. She sees this boat resting within the reeds. She sends out Amata, which is translated either as her maidservant or some of the commentaries explain it to mean that miraculously her arm itself extended itself further than was usual in order to be able to reach this boat. And she brings it. She opens it up and she sees inside that there is a baby boy. The boy is crying. She has pity on him. She says this must be a Jewish baby boy. The sister of this baby quickly runs to Bat Paro and says to her, should I bring you a wet nurse from the Jewish women? And she will nurse the baby for you. Batparo responds to her. She sends her off. And she, the girl called to the boy's mother. You should take this baby and you should nurse him for me. She says, I will pay you. Please take this baby. Please nurse him. And I will pay you for it. And the woman did as she was commanded. 
The boy grew up and she returned him to Baparo Vaihilalaben and she was to him like a son. Vatikrashimo Mosha, she named him Mosha. Vatomer, and why did she give him this name? Kimin Hamayim Mishitihu, because he was taken out of the water. So the first question that we have is why are there so many anonymous people here in the story? If we are talking about the birth of the leader of the Jewish people, why are we not privy to the names of at least his mother and father, perhaps his sister? All we know about his adoptive mother, the woman who rescues him, is that she is Bat Paro, the daughter of Paro. We are glaringly lacking in names in this entire story. There are a few explanations for this. The first is the Abar Benel, who says that the names were not important here, specifically of Moshe's parents, who later on, when the lineage is listed in Sefer Bamidbar, we are told that their names are Amram and Yochaved. But at this point in this story, it was not necessary when it was necessary later on for us to know the lineage of Moshe Rabbeinu. That is when we are told of his parents' names. The Ramban adds in that not only was it not necessary at this point, but at this point in the story, what is integral is bringing us to the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu. It is not important who exactly his parents are, the details of his birth and his early, his earliest um, events of his life. Rather, what is important is that we arrive quickly at Lidat Hamoshia, the birth of the Savior. However, the Maharal adds in an interesting approach, which will bring us to the rest of our story, which is that the names of Moshe's parents were unimportant because Moshe is not seen as a product of Amram and Yochaved. They just happen to be the people that brought him into the world. Moshe was going to be brought into the world regardless of whether Amram and Yochaved brought him into the world. He was a unique individual that was going to be the Moshia, the savior of Am Yisrael, and he is not to be credited specifically to Amram and Yochaved, and therefore the Psukim clearly left their names out of the story to remind us that he is an entity in and of himself. He is not merely a product of his parents. But from this, we can pull out the question, if he is not meant to be credited to Amram and Yochaved, is he meant to be credited to Ba'aparo? Who gets the quote-unquote credit for raising Moshe Rabinu? Was he most influenced by his birth mother? Or was he most influenced by his adoptive mother, who is truly considered to be the mother of Moshe Rabinu? If you look at the Pesukim, if you look at the verses, there does seem to be a true transfer of motherhood. How do we see that? In the beginning of the story, there are so many verbs that describe the actions that Yochaved does for Moshe. Vatahar ha'isha, the woman becomes pregnant. Vateled ben, and she gives birth. Vatero tokitov, she is looking upon him and sees he is good. Vatitzbenehu, she hides him. And once she is no longer able to hide him, she builds him this boat, and she waterproofs it. She puts the baby inside. She puts it in the reeds. There are so many verbs that exactly lay out every move that Yochaved did for her child. However, once he has been discovered by that paro, the connection between Yochaved and this baby seems much more disconnected that she takes him back to her home, 
He is then nursed, he grows up, and she returns him to Bat-Paro. It seems much less detailed and much less connected. This is the first sign to us from the Psukim that the relationship between Yochaved and Moshe switches at the point that he is rescued by Bat-Paro from one of a motherly, very caring, very involved relationship to one that is much more distant, that that is much more similar to a caretaker than that of a mother. Secondly, one of the clear signs that there has been a transfer of parenthood, the real transfer of motherhood from Yochavet to Batya, is that the name that we use for Moshe is the name that Batya gave him. Another example of adopted mothers in the Torah is that of Bilha and Zilpah, who give birth, but Rachel and Leah are considered to be the mothers of those children. In those instances, Rachel and Leah are the ones that give the names, and those are the names by which we call their sons. In this story, we, there must have been a name that Yocheved and her family called Moshe, because he was with them for three months. He must have had a name, but the only name that we are told in the Psukim is Moshe, and that is the name that Batya gave him. So it's clear from the Psukim that Batya has become the real mother of Moshe. That although Yochavan nurses him, as soon as he has grown to a certain extent, as soon as he can survive without Yochavan, he is returned to Batya for the rest of his growth. This idea is supported by a number of sources that Batparo becomes the true mother of Moshe. The first is a midrash in Vayikra Rabbah in which it says, Moshe lo haya bincha Hashem says to Batya, he says to her, just as Moshe was not your child and you called him a child, you truly considered him to be your son, you are not truly my daughter, but I will call you my daughter. And that is how Batya received her name as Batya, the daughter of Hashem, rather than just being referred to as Batparo. Again, in the Zohar, there is a very interesting um, paragraph that explains to us what happens on a day-to-day basis in Shemayim, up in the heavens, in regards to Bat-Paro. In one room, Batya Bat-Paro lives Batya, the daughter of Paro. There are thousands of women there with her. Every single one of them is there and they have every single thing they could need. Three times per day, Three times each day, there is an announcement that is made that Moshe, the faithful prophet of Hashem, is coming. Batya goes out to a certain area and she is that is specifically for her, and she is able to observe the form of Moshe, and she bows before this form of Moshe, saying, Blessed am I that I raised such an incredible person. 
This is the greatest delight in the world, that these three times per day, up in the heavens, Batya is able to observe Moshe and bless God that she was able to raise such an incredible child. But what was so amazing about what Baparo, otherwise known as Batya, did that made her so praiseworthy as the mother of Moshe Rabinu. Shouldn't Yocheved, who is the daughter of Levi, shouldn't she really get the credit? She was the one who birthed Moshe. But Batya seems to be receiving all the credit. So what was so special about Batya did? Nobody would have expected it from her. She is the princess of Egypt. She has gone out to bathe in the Nile River, and she sees a baby boy floating by in a safe, protected boat. Nobody would have expected the daughter of Paro to save this baby, to directly go against the decree of her father in order to save this child. However, it was so clear that she had an overwhelming amount of pity and compassion for this child that brought her to save him and to really change and save his life. Roshim Shomrafal Hirsch says that Paro's daughter called to foster the son of Moshe, one who draws out of the water and not Mashoi, one who is drawn from the water. Perhaps this gives us an indication of the whole tendency of education with the princess gave her foster son, that all his life he is to have a tender heart for other people's troubles and always be on the alert to be a Moshia. What Rav Hirsch is saying is that she named Moshe, Moshe, Kimin Hamayim Mishitihu. She was naming him in reference to the action rather than the fact that he was drawn out because she wanted to instill in her son this ability to be a savior, this value of being a Moshiach, one that saves and not simply one that is saved. So what was so special about what Batya did is she had compassion above and beyond what anyone would have expected of her. And she aimed to pass this on to her son. She did not just save him physically, but she truly took him in as a son in terms of how she would raise him and how she would guide him through life. But what about Yocheved? We can't help but feel badly for Yocheved, that she birthed the son that she was not able to keep and therefore seems to lose all the quote-unquote credit for having raised the Moshiach of Am Yisrael. However, the Zohar explains to us as well what happens to Yocheved every single day in Shemayim. That Yocheved is in a separate room, she is in another room. And quietly, three times per day as well, there is no announcement at all, but three times a day, she acknowledges and praises HaKadosh Baruch Hu, she and all of the women with her. They sing Shirat Hayam, they praise Hashem, and she... And all of these righteous women in Gan Eden are right there along with her, singing along with her, and praising Hashem along with her. Yocheved still is in a prized place in Shemayim. She still, up in the heavens, praises God and thanks God for her lot in life. Even though she doesn't get this pride of being able to see Moshe Rabbeinu every day, and say, wow, look who I raised, look who is so incredible, she still has that inner pride and is able to channel that into praising God. So what did Moshe gain from Yocheved? Did he gain from her in any way? Do we say that any of the midos of the 
the characteristics of Moshe Rabinu came by nature rather than by the nurture that he was given from Batya. And both the Gemara in Masachat Sota and then followed up by Rav Levi Yitzchak of Barditchev in his Sefer, the Kedushas Levi, explain that the primary mida, the primary attribute of Yochaved, was her Yirat Shamayim, was her fear for Hashem and her care for others. That she was one of the two midwives that refused to listen to Paro and refused to kill the Jewish baby boys. And this was a mida that she passed on to Moshe inherently, even if it was only through birth, only through his nature, she imbued within him this value of fearing God and caring for others. So what can we conclude? Who gets credit for the incredible Moshe Rabinu? Was it his birth mother or was it his adopted mother? And what I would like to suggest is that based on what we've looked at, it's both. It's that though Yochaved is not in the limelight, she gave birth and by nature of giving birth, she gave over to Moshe Rabinu the basic seeds of the values that would carry him through life. And then those values were picked up by Bat Paro and they were watered and nurtured within Moshe Rabinu to help him blossom into the leader that he became. So as we said in the beginning, the names were not important because it, Moshe Rabinu was not who he was because of who he was born to. He was given those inherent qualities and then it took the process of what happened to him throughout his life, being adopted by Bat Paro and growing and connecting to Hashem and moving through his mission in life that truly turned him into who he became in the world. Thank you for studying together with the OU Women's Initiative.